worship you through, through your word. We ask that you lead and guide and help us to understand what it is that you want us to learn from this. We just thank you in Jesus. All right, we're going to be looking at heavenly citizenship. And that's one of the things that we're given is a new home. And so we're going to, we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 20 and 21. Bad translation for this word because it means commonwealth in Greek. And a group of people who make up a nation. So we are that it may be fashioned unto his glorious body. This is our great looking forward to is getting out of the flesh and being made like Jesus in the body he had after the resurrection. And, and he had an interesting body. It could eat food. He ate fish and, and had a meal with the disciples. And yet he came into a locked room with the disciples and, and appeared to them. Uh, so there's, we don't know what that body is completely like, but we know that it's going to be something very different from what we're used to. And this is what we're looking forward. We are looking for home. We will never feel at home in this world. Or we should never feel at home in this world because that means if we feel at home, we're getting too much like the world and not enough like God. And you've probably have seen it. We've talked about it many times. It's we can't listen to the same music. We can't do the same things. We can't watch the same things we used to used to watch. We probably can't even hang out with the same people that you know that we used to hang out with because we just don't feel comfortable with it. And I've talked about this in this time myself. I go to the, the heavily Christian side of the family to make everybody happy and then get out <laughs> because I just don't feel comfortable in that situation. And this is what God says. Our, our, our nationality is heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we're not going to feel comfortable in this world or should not feel comfortable in this world because we're looking somewhere else. And this is, this is something that we want to be able to get into because there are some people that will tell you something that's they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You know, in reality, this you can't be the harshest. I mean, Rome was just the last big one. Where if you were weak, nobody had pity on you. You just didn't, they just figured you didn't deserve deserve to live. You deserved to be beat up and abused. And if you were disabled, really, you know, that was the end of the world. You spent your whole life begging to try to find something. If you got hurt, even in battle as a soldier, if you got hurt and you were no longer able to be a soldier, you were cast off. You know, they did not have any long-term care. They didn't care, you know, the, and a hospital was a dangerous place to go because you would probably die because there was no lack of caring. And Christianity brought on orphanages, hospitals, you know, lots of care for people of the poor and the, and the orphans and the widows. Uh, and before it was, you know, better have family or she was going to die, you know, because she didn't have anything. Orphans, the same thing. You know, they didn't have some family that was willing to take them in, and most of their family wasn't them in. They had enough children of their own. They didn't need the burden of, of the, the orphans. So the orphans would be out on the street begging and probably being abused or, and or dying. And God says, our citizenship is in heaven. We're to love those. We're to care for those. And Christianity changed the world, changed the entire world. And we, you know, and here we are now. We're... Well, we're starting to transition back in the Western civilization anyway. The rest of it got there. But in the Western civilization, we're transitioning back into mistreating the poor, mistreating the, the disabled, because we're getting further and further away from God's love and care. And we see it. You know, we see it all over the place, the abuse of children, the abuse of, 
of of uh, the 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 weak, and it is because the world is taken over and Christianity is no longer having the influence that it had on the world, and part of it is the Christian church is pro- you know not doing what we're supposed to do. We we got the morals in the in there, but we left out God, and we left out God out of all their own eyes. And for those who saw the movie, we saw you know saw the time changer. That was that whole premise. We get away truth of of how we live to just doing what we think is right. And the flesh doesn't think what's good is right, unless it's good for me. And that's the flesh's way of doing it. Whatever's good for me is good. It does bad for everybody else, but if it's good for me, then I then celebrate. Everybody as if they're made in the image of God, which they are. There's a, I'm, I'm important. Not everybody else is important. Keep in mind, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven because it's going to change the way we think. It's going to change the way we act. It's going to change the way we, you know, we treat people because we're going to want to love other people. Now, as we love other people, the world looks at us as, what, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, you know, think you're better than me or whatever other term they, they'll use because you're trying to help people. And people will look at you and say, well, you're helping them, but you're, you're just trying to make other people look bad by being nice to others. Now, I don't understand their mentality, but that is probably what they would be doing if they helped people. And they put that as charge against us as Christians. And God is saying, we're to serve. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And this is an interesting concept. Turn the other cheek. That doesn't just mean when somebody hits us, but we think about all the different things that are going on in this world. Um, I watched a movie back in Christmas. It was Christmas with a capital C about a little town where the, this guy had moved in with all the Christmas displays and everything in the town. And it basically it started, everybody was getting angry about their rights and their thing. And then somebody pointed out, we need to show love to people. You know, let's do Christmas rather than celebrate Christmas. I think we want to do the same thing as Christians. We want to do Christianity to others. We want to love Christ- people rather than just talk about it and, and you know, do, you know, expect people to honor us just because we're saying we're doing it. We need to get out and show people Christ's love. And we've seen that in the early Roman days. If you get into the history, it's interesting how the Christians showed Christian love, helping the orphans, rescuing children that were being thrown into the river as a, as a form, you know, because they didn't want the kids. And they'd go rescue the kids out of the rivers, and, you know, and they would take and raise the kids in orphanages and everything. They showed Christian love. And that was what impressed people. When people took a stance for God that was a real going forward, not just speaking words, not just going to church and hearing, but doing. Very important aspect of Christian life. To the story, and we know the story, Abraham's called out of the Ur of Chaldees, and God says, leave your family and go where I tell you to go. Now that would be a very hard command to do, especially in that day, because your family was your protection. Your family was what you know, helped you get by in, in problem times because there, there was no police force or you, know, you were in trouble wherever you went or in danger wherever you went. And Abraham leaves and just wanders because God says to do so. And he goes about five to 600 miles away which in those days was a you know, 30 or 40 day trip just to get to where he was called to go. And then he wandered. He wandered his entire life in the land of Canaan, the promised land, 
and when he died, how many pieces of property did he own? One. One. And that was a field with a cave in it that he used as a burial place for his wife, Sarah, and that his sons would use as a burial place. At the end of his life, he owns one piece of pro property in the promised land that was told that he was going to own. And he was told he was going to own all the land. He was going to have children that, that were as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand of the desert. Um, and that those who blessed him would be blessed and those that cursed him would be cursed. He dies with one son and one, one small piece of property. And then Isaac does the same thing. He wanders all through the promised land and he never owns anything either other than the one piece of property inherited. But he had a whopping two children toward this stars of the sky. But their eyes were not on the promised land. Their eyes were on a city made by God. In other words, heaven, the heavenly, the heavenly dwelling. And their eyes were focused on not what they had on this earth. And this is important for us as we walk. If our eyes are on heaven, then we don't worry about what we have on this earth. Because it's never going to be satisfying anyway. I don't care how big a house or little a house or how many cars or, or how good the cars are or you know, how nice the furniture is. None of that will make us truly happy. And you talk to people who have lots of these things and it doesn't make them happy. None of that makes them happy. If that's what they're looking for, it's not going to be happy. They get the big house with all the nice furniture and new, brand new cars and the pool and the tennis court and whatever, whatever else they might want. <laughs> And they find that it doesn't bring it doesn't bring happiness. It always needs something else, and that something else they need is God. And we have a home in heaven. And this is the great thing that we have to look forward to. We have a home. I don't have to worry about being happy in this world. Because I won't be. I can't be. Because God is not here completely. Now, we have them in our hearts, so we will be happier. And that's what Paul says, I've learned to be content with much and with little because my contentment lies in God. It lies in God, not, not what I have, not what I can accomplish. Uh, you know, family gets about as close to anything that can make you happy, but even that family is never going to truly make you happy because they're never going to fill the spot that needs to be filled. You know, family may, you know, family's supposed to love you and care for you, and a good family is closer to filling, filling, but you're always going to be disappointed by somebody or something in the family. Somebody's going to do something you didn't like or, or you know, say or do or act in a way that you, is not godly, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be, make you feel miserable at times, and that family is never going to be there, and this whole idea that Abraham all his life wandered. <laughs> you know, we know that he was called. He spent time in the, he moved from the Ur of Chaldees and he ended up in Haran and stayed there for a long time when he wasn't supposed to. He finally left there and, and moved to the promised land. And all he did was wander back and forth, up and down, worshiping God, praising God, giving God glory. And the one thing that's very interesting when you read about Abraham, it's always, and he built an altar. <laughs> and he built an altar. <laughs> You know, it doesn't talk a whole lot about his time and stories, but every time it talks about him, he's building an altar and offering sacrifice to God. His mind was on God. And that was a great place. And we need to learn to be there. And it's, we need to 
to get a picture from God what he wants us to do with our life. This is one of the questions I asked my oldest son. He's trying to climb the, the, the corporate ladder that he's in. And I'm going, how, how high does God want you to go? <laughs> you know, how high does God want you to go? Because sometimes you keep climbing the corporate ladder to a point where the corporation or the business takes up all of your time. You know, they demand your heart and soul. And I've been there. I've been, I was there the very first company I did. I, I, I devoted everything I had to the company. And then when I did get fired, it was, they didn't care how much I had done for them. And, you know, it was all in the past. And we want to be careful. We want God because God has the reward for us in the future. And he totally loves us. He cares for what's good or bad for us. And we focus our heavenly citizenship. We focus on him. And it's where our goal is. I'm laying up treasure in heaven because that is where it's for eternity. And it's going to be great when we get to heaven and, and, and Jesus shows us our treasure. The treasure we've laid up there. And sometimes we don't even know the treasure we've laid up there. Because we touch people's lives that we don't know just by being Christians. We're not even going to know who they are probably or we vague, vaguely know who they are. Uh, something that we say or do that touches people and sometimes it's just because people are watching us we don't know you never know about the people that are watching you neighbors friends co-workers whoever they might be there are people watching us to say this is what a christian is and we need to stand strong and being a good solid christian and letting god do it because it's him who does it but we don't know who's being touched we never do and I've heard the testimonies over and over when people would talk about, you know, they were, before they became a Christian, they would watch some Christian in their life and just see how did that person live. And that's why it's critical for us to let God live through us. Because we can blow a, blow a relationship and a, and a testimony so fast with people that know us. And it's critical. It is critical for us to walk according to God's light and just love people. God says they'll know us because of our love. Jesus comes in and we, we love one another. And we, you know, and we tolerate people that we don't like because God says, I want you to love them. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's, some people are very hard to love. Some Christians are hard to love. That's how he does us. He loves us for who we are. When we're sinners, before we're saved, he loves us. And he loves us into the, into the kingdom. Now, he then changes us through his word and everything, but he still loves us right where we're at. His grace says, I'm going to love this individual. He's going to love me. He loves me when I do all the wrong things that I do, and I do plenty of them, he do, but he still loves me. He cares for me. He says, come on, grow. You know, you're still accepted. And it's important for us with our families to love the family that we have. And sometimes that's hard. I've got lost people in my family that I'm, that I'm going to love and just say, okay, God, help me to show your love to them. Coming down from heaven, it's, it's 1,500 miles cubed. Uh, only, only in the new heaven and earth could that be true because 15, 1,500 high is outside of the breathable space of this world. Because yeah, in his kingdom, it's a livable space. You know, that's a big, that's a big house. <laughs> you know, that is a pretty good size house. Seems I would cover the entire, pick, take your picture and coast or west, would cover the entire half of the United States. 
uh, in, in its size and it'd be the same size upward. So there's a lot of room in there, a lot of room in his house. And Jesus is preparing a place for all of those who follow him. Our home, our home is being, des being designed by Jesus. And I've talked on this, you know, those, there'll be, I almost picture it down at the lower ones are little studio apartments for those who just have accepted Jesus Christ as their savior, but they're in heaven and they've got a home. You know, upward all the way to the pinnacle suites are that cover size portions of the, the floor. You know, that's how I picture it. You know, those who, you know, who knows how high we'll be, you know, we'll all be happy. If, if nothing else, we'll be happy with the studio. You know, I, I made it. I'm here. But God is preparing a place, preparing a place for and decorating it by what we've done or allowed him to do more precisely than what we've allowed him to do in our life. And he decorates the, the places he's preparing for us. And can you imagine how beautiful it's got to be? God spoke the entire world in a day and filled it out in a week. Jesus has been working on this since then. He's been working on the mansions in heaven for all the people. I can't even fathom what those must be like. You know, the glory of the, of the places he's preparing. Even a studio that Jesus has prepared has got to be glor you know, beautiful. And he's gone up there and he says, I'm preparing a place and where I am you will be. He's going to bring us there. Again, our home, our possessions here on earth are nothing. Even if we manage to be a billionaire and had all the nicest things in this world, it's not going to compare to anything a look at. Our citizenship is not here. I cannot get very happy with what I've got here. And I've got joy and peace and joy right here on this earth. And I'm not disappointed. And I've said over and over you know, to people and going, you know, because one of the great questions in, in soul winning is when somebody says that, you know, they can work their way to heaven and you can go, are you sure? What happens if you're wrong? That's one of the greatest questions you can ask somebody because as a Christian, if for some reason I'm wrong and this Bible is not right and there's no heaven or hell and I die and I just cease to exist when I, when I die, I've lost nothing with the life I've lived on this earth. I've lived a joyful life. I've been at peace. And God has been greatly blessing me. Now I know by some weird stroke of imagination, all of this is not right. I don't think I've missed anything. Because I've looked at people who seek at, run after wealth and, and run after drugs and alcohol and, and all these things. And the miserable life that they're leave, living, I'm not missing anything. And I know that I'm not missing anything. So even if for some strange reason this whole thing is, is all false, I'm not losing anything. I know false because I'm not losing anything I know it's not false he's changed my life he's changed who I am he's given me peace he's given me joy he has love and given allowed me to be able to love others I know that there's a God I know that his word is true but I'm not losing anything even if it wasn't because of the joy he gives and this is but there's Jesus I am building you a place I am building you a place, and I can't imagine what that place is going to look like because you look at what it says when it talks about heaven. It talks about streets of gold and gates made out of pearls so big that the, the, the pearl couldn't have been made in this direction. He will be light to this world. And just to be able to throne, we see what's going on, and we see 
things the way he saw them. He reveals our life and he shows us and when we stand before the beam, I get done talking to the person. I know there's rewards I've lost because I'm so slow. Picture. He dissolves this world, our current bodies, and we leave this body and we go stand before him and receive, our re receive the reward. This is the greatest thing for a Christian. We do not have to fear death because when our body dies, we step out of this world into God's presence. I, I can't, even, can't even fathom that. I've been reading Fox's Book of Martyrs and how many people just were praising as they were dying in great pain. God had to have done something at that point to say, okay, we're dissolving this and you're, going in, you're coming right into my presence and we'll just let everybody see praise. We'll see everybody have praise. And it's amazing when you read of how God honored his, um, an amazing thought when you look at this. And, you know, and it talks about all kinds of different ways that they were tortured to make them try to recant their faith. Uh, we look at, even today, this is happening. We've got Pastor Sayad in the, in the prison. Yeah. And I loved what his wife was saying about a week or two ago when she was being interviewed. She goes, they have to keep moving him from prison to prison because he keeps leading people to Christ. And they, they, so they move him to another prison, you know, worse prison that somebody's supposed to be ready to kill him, and, and yet he keeps witnessing. And people come to Christ. I pray that when that happens here in America that we'll be ready to do the same type of bold witness for Christ. I would like to think that I will. We will never know until we're put in that place because it's God's grace that allows us to do that. But if our desire is to serve him, he'll give us the grace to do it. He kept telling the apostles, I will fill your mouth. You just, go, you just open it and I'll fill it. And then you'd watch them get beat and scourged. And, and we use the word scourge, and we don't even really think about what that meant to have your, your, your back flayed open with the cat of nine tails. And, and when they put you into the prison, they didn't treat your wounds. They, at best, they threw salt on it, which if anybody's had a wound and, and thrown salt on it, it's good to heal, but it, it doesn't hurt. It's, it's very painful. And if your back is totally raw from being beat and they throw salt on it, it's going to be a lot of pain. And they throw them in a dungeon, strap them to the chains. And then like Paul and Silas in the middle of the night are singing praises to God, keeping everybody awake as they're praising God because they just got beat for preaching the gospel. Would we be like that? If God gives us the grace, we will be. But it's what we need to be praying. This world is changing. This world is changing and changing fast. And we want to look at this, that God has built us a house. When, we, when this body evolved, he will give us a new life, a new body, a new, new, new Starting at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, which is, uh, which is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. The new heaven and new earth coming. And God says, I will dwell with them. I will dwell with them. And he just says, the new, the new Jerusalem adorned as a bride for for the for the for her husband
Jesus is the husband, the bride is his church. And we are adorned, we are made perfect for him to look so that he has got something that worth receiving. And it says that God will dwell with us. He dwells in us right now, and we don't see him. It's all by faith. But in heaven, we will see God. We will be with him. We will know everything that he knows, that he desires for us to know. He will teach us everything that we need to know. We will rule over every, the angels. We will rule over the, the world. And what that world's going to be, who knows? A new heaven and new earth, something we don't know what it's, what it's about. Because we don't know what the world would be if it had stayed perfect. Because we know all of, what do we know about our earth? As beautiful as it is, it's citizenship. And this is why we need to keep in mind that we have a new citizenship. We have a new address. We're in this world, and as we're, we looked at in the past, we are ambassadors in this world, showing them what the new world is going to be, what the heavenly world should be for them. Trying to draw people into that new world. God wants as many citizens in, citizens in his world as possible. And the only way to get there is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The rejection of our sin and, uh, and repentance and asking Jesus Christ to come in, and then we enter into this new citizenship, this new world, and we get the foretaste of it. The foretaste here of joy, peace, the comfort. And we know what that's like to be comforted. And we just want to look at that. And we're into a little early, but does anybody have any questions or comments?